chapter 5. And uh, I just want to read this passage to you guys uh, because it really uh, is, you know, this is the, I guess, our our theme scripture for this morning. So why don't you guys uh, just read this along with me. So it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to, to hear from you this morning, God. God, I pray that, uh, that Lord, you would take the, the things that I've prepared, God, and, and Lord, I pray that, that, Lord, you would speak them in, in new ways to each person's heart, Lord. Uh, God, I can't pretend to do the, the work of your Spirit, but I believe that your Spirit is working in this place. And so, God, I pray that you would open hearts, God, to receive what you would say to them this morning. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that Father, your word would, uh, would be, be fruitful this morning, God, that it would, that it would uh, accomplish what you've intended for it to accomplish. And God, we just pray that, that, Lord, you would help us now to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Thank you guys so much. So um, going back to, to that thought about Thanksgiving. So my family and I, um, we, you know, I, I come from a, a pretty good sized family. Uh, and every, every Thanksgiving we go to my parents' house. We've got cousins and aunts and uncles and all sorts of people over there. And Thanksgiving gets to be pretty chaotic. It gets to be, it gets to be pretty, uh, you, there's all sorts of people running around. So what Tiffany and I decided a few years ago is that we wanted to take a step back from the chaos and we wanted to have, have a Thanksgiving meal with just our family. We wanted, to, we wanted to be able to spend time going around the table and asking what people are thankful for and, uh, and just really connecting with our kids and making it into a special moment. So with two high schoolers, it's not always easy to find time when everybody's going to be together, but we were able to squeeze in some time this last Friday. I'm sorry, Friday. And, uh, and so we had our, our Thanksgiving dinner, which was great. We, uh, we, we had a, a good meal and uh, we decided that we wanted to have our kids help us prepare the food, which was mistake number one. Um, we, wanted to, we wanted to allow them to participate. We do, this, we do this every year, actually. But for whatever reason this year, and maybe it's because two of them are, um, are toddlers still, and so they're doing laps around the kitchen while we're trying to pull turkeys out of the oven and, and get things get things prepared and all of that, you know. So we've got all of this chaos happening, seven people in a uh, reasonably small kitchen and, uh, and trying, to, trying to get everything ready. And you could just tell that tensions were kind of rising. 
in the place. And, uh, and something happened. Two of the kids were arguing. And, uh, and then somebody was like, you know, somebody snapped at them. And, and there's, there's like this argument brewing. That gets settled down. And then another thing happens. And uh, the, the first time it happened, I was like, oh, man, the, you know, here we go. We're all just going to lose it. And then, and then something else happens, and I'm the one that loses it. And, uh, and, and I, don't know, I don't know what it was. I mean, it was just like in that moment, it was like overwhelming. There was so much activity, so much noise, so many things happening that it just, you know, my stress level just kept going, kept creeping up, right? Just kept going up and up and up to the point where it finally, uh, it finally boiled over. Now, we were able to sit down and we were able to enjoy our, our dinner and stuff like that. But it really got me thinking about... Uh, about that moment, because it was, it, it was this time of, you know, a lot of stress, a lot of activity, a lot of things going on, um, but really, it was, it was kind of a, a minor thing, right? It was kind of a, a, a minor inconvenience, and uh, in fact, it, it reminded me of, of this image that I saw, where a, a, a minor inconvenience happens, and then IG-11 from The Mandalorian says, I will initiate self-destruct. Any Mandalorian fans in here? Anybody, anybody subscribing to Disney Plus yet? Okay, a few of you guys. Awesome. Well, for those of you that got it, you really, enter, you really enjoyed it. The rest of you, uh, subscribe to Disney Plus and watch The Mandalorian. It's great. Um, and, and, and it seems like whenever a minor thing happens, whenever something happens that kind of throws us for a loop, all of a sudden, uh, everything can blow up. Everything can, can just kind of boil over and, to the point where, you know, even a, 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 you know, a stressful situation, but that really, you know, did it matter whether we got, um, you know, whether the turkey was a little bit cold or whether, you know, I mean, we, we could have managed if we would have taken a couple minutes to stop and breathe and then keep going, but we wanted everything to be perfect. We wanted everything to be right, and uh, it ended up with me getting snappy. Um, Kind of this, this high stress but low impact type thing. But I know also that there are some high stress, higher impact type things. And, and in fact, I think back to um, November of 2010, and I know it was November because it happened during my daughter's birthday party. Um, and we're celebrating Olivia's birthday, and then I get a knock on the door. I go over and answer the door, and it's, it's my lead pastor. We were pastoring at a church in Lake Stevens at the time. And, uh, and he's like, hey, can I talk to you? So we go down to, to my basement, get away from the, the rest of the party. And he's like, hey, I just want to let you know the, the board voted and um, you're getting a $400 a month pay cut. And um, like during my daughter's birthday party. <laughs> um, and all I could think about in that moment is like $400 is basically my grocery budget. How am I going to feed my kids, Right. How am I going to put gas in the car? How am I going to put a roof over their head? Like, how am I going to, to adjust to this? Uh, that, that moment actually started a sequence of events that, that ended us up here in, in Wenatchee. And so we're, we're grateful for those, for those hard times. But, um, but in that moment, man, that was, that was high stress. That was high, you know, high impact on, on my life. And, uh, and I, was, I was struggling to see how, how it was all going to work out, how it was all going to play out. But sometimes it's not even external things that happen to us. Sometimes it's our own thoughts 
and our own feelings that, that really can, can mess with us and cause problems. I know that some of us in here struggle with things like depression and anxiety and, and stress and, uh, and have a hard time processing stressful situations. And I know, because I've talked to some of you about this, that in the, in the, the moments of clarity that you have, you would, you would say, hey, life's pretty good. I've got, you know, I've got a roof over my head. I've got food on the table. I've got clothes to wear. My, my basic needs are covered. But, but I know that, that your mind starts to play tricks on you. And you start to spiral and you start to think that, you know, all of these bad things are happening. So sometimes the stress isn't even an external thing. Sometimes it's something that's happening, you know, whether it's, it's hormones inside of your, inside of your brain or, or whether it's, uh, you know, your own thoughts or the enemy lying to you, whatever it is. Um, we, we know that, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's not even an external thing that happens, but you can just start to feel stressed and you can start to feel like, like things aren't going to work out. And I think all of us in here have probably dealt with, with this pressure in, in one form or another. So you, you, you've got to get good grades, right? When you're in middle school, high school, you've got to get good grades so that you can get into a good college, so that you can have a good career, so that you can afford to be able to, to feed your family, but also so that you can start putting money away for retirement so that you can get to uh, retirement and have a good retirement. And sometime between you know, 16 and 65 or 70, uh, you'll finally be able to relax. You'll finally be able to take it easy. You'll finally be able to take a step back and be like, okay, I've done all of the work that I need to do. Now it's time to live the good life. And, uh, and here's the thing is we were designed to have peace. When, when God set us up, at the, at the very beginning, Genesis 1 and 2, when God was, was creating the earth and, and creating the, uh, the, the area where we would exist, God put us in a garden. And yes, he put us in there to work, but he put us in there in a place of abundance, in a place of peace, in, in a place where, where everything was perfect. And, and it's that thing, that peace, that our hearts are still longing for today. When we see these stressful situations come up, our hearts are longing for that peace. And so it leads me to this question that I want us to ask for the next few minutes. How do we find peace in this life? How do we find peace in this life? To answer this question, we're going to look at uh, that passage that we just read a few minutes ago. But we're going to look at a man named Paul who was writing to a church that was in Rome. Now, Paul knew about stress and stressful situations. In fact, he was a, a person who hated Christians until he became one, and, uh, and then was responsible for taking the, the good news of Jesus around, not just to the nation of Israel, but around the Roman Empire. And as he traveled, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was thrown in jail several different times, he was left for dead, and, uh, and all of these things happened because he was trying to share the good news of who Jesus is with the people that were around him. Um. In, in his letter to the Romans, Paul, Paul spends the first four chapters uh, talking about how, how man is guilty of sin, about how the law couldn't help us, couldn't, couldn't get us free from sin. You know, the law like Moses and the Ten Commandments and that type of thing. Uh, how, how it was powerless to help us. Uh, it, it was unable to do what it was intended to do. So man was guilty. The law couldn't help us. But eventually God sent his son, Jesus, in order to rescue us and invite us into his family. 
And then in Romans chapter 5, where we, where we just were reading, Paul starts to talk about some of the benefits and some of the responsibilities of living in the family of God. Um, and so I, wanna, I want us to open up now this, this uh, section of Scripture, and I'm going to go through kind of, in some cases, word by word, but line by line, and talk through some of this, because I think it's going to help us as we see Paul start to build this case for how we can have peace in this life. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Romans chapter 5, and, uh, and we're going to go ahead and, and get started right now. It says, therefore, since we have been justified... And I want to stop on this word justified because this is Paul starting to build his case. Now, the word justified means shown to be righteous. And, and so the, the, that word, uh, it's the same word in uh, Matthew 11. Jesus is accused of being a friend of sinners. And Jesus says to the people that are accusing him, he says, wisdom is, let me get this right, wisdom is proved right through her deeds. It's proved right, is justified through her deeds. Uh, it's also the same, the same word that's used when uh, there's a, a teacher of the law, a lawyer, that comes to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. And then the man, wanting to justify himself, wanting to prove that he was righteous to Jesus, said, well, then who is my neighbor? And then Jesus goes on and, and talks about the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, in that... The man was trying to prove himself to be righteous. It's the same, the same Greek word that's, that's used for the word justified here in, in Romans chapter 5. But really, what it means is, you know, prove to be righteous, but it's, it's kind of like we're switching teams. In fact, the Bible talks several different times about how we are given new clothes, how, how if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. In Revelation, it talks about how we're given a white garment to wear, and it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, Jadavian Clowney at the, beginning of the, at the beginning of the season was a Houston Texan, and then he switched teams. He got traded, right? And now he's a Seahawk, and we thank God that he is a Seahawk. Um, and, and it's like, it's like he's, he's, been, he's been made into something different. He's, a, he's no longer a player for the Texans. Now he's a, a player for the Seahawks. Um, anyway, let's go ahead and we'll keep moving. So it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this word peace stands out to me. And uh, the, the reason that I, I titled you know, or the, the title of the sermon is Peace is because uh, it's something that I believe God wants to work in each one of us. But in the context of this, it, what he's saying is, is peace means we're not at war anymore. And peace means we don't have to fight anymore. Peace means that, that there, there used to be a struggle between God and man. Going all the way back to the garden when, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was, there was a, a tension, there was a break in between God and man, and there was nothing that we could do to get back to God on our own. And so God came in and sent his son to be the, to be a, the perfect uh, man, to, to live a sinless life, to follow the law that we couldn't follow, and eventually to die, to take our punishment, and, and then to be, to be raised alive again so that we can have peace. So justified means that we're shown to be righteous. Peace means we're not at war anymore. Um, but not only are we shown to be righteous, not only are we not at war anymore, but in verse 2 it says, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Um, so it says, through whom, so through Jesus, 
we have gained access. So think about like with a, with a, you know, we've been given the key, we've been given the combination or whatever. We've gained access into, it says by faith, into this grace. So we've gained, through Jesus, we've gained access into grace. Okay, you guys see that? You guys tracking with me? I know it's, it's worded a little, there's a couple extra words in there. But, but through Jesus, we've gained access into grace. Grace is important. Grace, if, if you spend the next 50 years of your life trying to figure out what grace is, I'm not sure that you'll be able to cover it. We might spend all of eternity trying to figure out what grace is, but this is the best way that I know how to explain it. So grace, we say, is, is undeserved favor. Well, what, is that, what does that really mean? The best way that I can describe it is imagine that after church this morning, you get in your car, you take a left on McKittrick, and you start heading down the hill towards Wenatchee Avenue, and something happens uh, either the, you don't notice the car in front of you or the car in front of you slams on their brakes or something, but you end up rear-ending the car that's in front of you. Okay? There's three words at play here. There's, there's justice, there's mercy, and then there's grace. And a lot of times we get grace and mercy confused, uh, but justice is really obvious. In this moment, the, the guy gets out of his car, he, he looks at you, makes sure that you're okay, he calls 911, the cops come, they give you a ticket for following too close, you have to work out with the insurance company to pay for this guy's car to get fixed, right? That's you getting what you deserve. You messed up, you rear-ended them, now you're getting what you deserve. Okay, that's, that's justice. Mercy says the guy gets out of his car, looks at you, looks at the damage to his car, says, you know what, it's not that bad, uh, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to call the cops, I'm not, you know, I, I forgive you, he gets back in his car, and he drives away. That's mercy, right? That is, that is, you have been let off the hook. You've been forgiven, and, and the Bible says that, that this is what God has done for us, right? You have been forgiven. You've been set free from any obligation to pay for the man's car. You, are, you have received mercy in your time of need. But there's a third word there, and it's the word that, that Paul introduces us to here in Romans, and that's this word grace. So if, if justice is getting what you deserve and mercy is not getting you getting what you deserve there's this third level of grace that we call undeserved favor this is you go out you rear end somebody's car right he gets out of his car he looks at you he looks at the damage to his car looks at the damage to your car says hey it's not that big a deal he calls instead of calling the police he calls a tow truck has them come pick up your car delivers it to the body shop pays for the damage, and while they're working on your car, he takes you out to ice cream, okay? Like, and we all, we all laugh about that because it's ridiculous. Who would ever do that? Like, how would, how would that in a million years ever be something that actually happened to a person? Nobody would do that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that if you rear-ended me, <laughs> you know? And, and yet, this is what God has done for us. God, it says that, that he's given us access to this undeserved favor, this undeserved grace. We didn't do anything to deserve it. In fact, we were the ones at fault. We were the ones that hit him, and yet God has provided so much for us. Uh, it, it's a, a huge thing, and I, I know it's kind of a silly illustration, but, but it really captures this idea that we're getting something that we don't deserve. Not only are we getting something that we don't deserve, but, but we're getting this, this favor on top of it that's just, it, it, it's not even 
fair, right? It's not even, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's so, it's so ridiculous that God would do this. It's like when the, when the world says no to something, God's grace says yes to it. When, when things seem, seem hopeless, God makes a way. Grace makes a way for us. We serve a God of grace. We serve a God of favor. We serve a God of abundance. We serve a God that wants to meet our needs, that is not content just to, just to see us uh, not be enslaved to sin anymore, but actually wants you to have an abundant life in this lifetime. And, uh, and that's a pretty exciting thing, right? Come on. So he says, he says, we're shown to be righteous. We aren't at war anymore. We have undeserved favor, and not only that, but, he says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, what he's talking about here is he's talking about eternity. He says, he says not only are you righteous, not only are you not at war anymore, not only do you have undeserved favor in this life, but you also have favor in the life to come. You've got a promise of eternity with God. Whatever happened to you in your past, whatever's happening to you in your present, and whatever's happening to you in your future, God has it taken care of. God wants to be with you, and God wants to help you through it. So, as exciting as all of this is, we see Paul, like he's building this case over and over again, you know, uh, uh, shown, shown to be righteous, not, not at war anymore. He says, we have undeserved undeserved favor in this life, and we have the promise of, of hope of the life to come. He says, he says, not only that, and then he gets to, uh, he gets to verse three here. It's like he's, he's building, 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 and then like a, like a salesman on TV, he's like, he's like, but wait, there's more. And then we read verse three. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. And it's almost like the whole this triumphal proclamation that he's making just kind of falls flat. And it's like, wait a second. If I've got, if I'm righteous, if I'm not at war anymore, if I have this undeserved favor, and if I've got a promise of a future, why should I have to worry about suffering? Why should I have to worry about pain? Why should I have to worry about these high-stress moments in my life? And it's, it's almost like in that moment, like as I was, as I was reading, it's almost like the chair gets pulled out from under you, right? And you're like, wait, why, you know, building, 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 things are looking good. And then Paul happens to mention something like suffering. Um, but I think in Paul's mind, and I want you guys to, to track with me here for a minute, um, I think in Paul's mind, this is the next logical step in the progression. Okay, we are at peace with God. We've been blessed by God. We have a future with God. And, he says, all of the hard things that happen to you in life, all of the stuff that, that causes you to question your faith or maybe even to turn your back on God, all of the stuff that, that happened to you in your childhood that you're having a hard time processing, all of the stuff that's, that's driven a wedge between you and family or you and friends, all of the anxiety, the depression, the fear, the worry, the loneliness, the despair that you feel, the stuff that keeps you up at night, the stuff that, that causes you to, uh, to, to stay away from family gatherings, all of those things, even that stuff, God can redeem it. All of those things, God wants to, to, to take those things and he wants to make them into something beautiful. The things that make you feel unloved and unlovable, 
He wants to take your mess, and he wants to make it amazing. I have a, uh, a, a picture up here of a, a piece of pottery, and this is actually a, a Japanese art form called kintsugi. And the reason that I, that I wanted to show this this morning is because what they do in this art form is they will either uh, intentionally or sometimes in, 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 unintentionally, unintentionally, thank you, um, they, they will break a pot and then they will fuse it back together, but in place of, you know, like clay or something, they will put gold into, into all of those cracks. And so it almost kind of looks like it's scarred, right? It's al- it almost looks like it's been, it's been beaten, it's been weathered, and yet the scars have been made into something beautiful. The, those cracks that, that would have caused you to just throw the pot away, now all of a sudden are a defining feature of this pottery. There, there's something that, that it attracts you to it because it's unique, it's different. That was a, a nice looking pot before, but when you add those cracks and those little lines in it, suddenly it becomes something beautiful, and, and people pay lots of money for, for this type of art. God takes, your, God takes your broken, and he makes it beautiful. And here's how he does it. Going back to Romans chapter 5, he says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, character is often defined as who you are or what you do when no one is looking. It's the direct result of that faithful perseverance, that continuing on. Um, when we go through hard times, when we go through times that are, that are difficult, uh, we gain the capacity to persevere. And when you persevere long enough, people start to talk about your strength of character that you have. And that strength of character gives you hope because you've seen God do it over and over and over again. And then in Romans 5, 5, he says this. He says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So I wanted to find a way to to illustrate this verse. And uh, I came across this clip of a guy trying to perfect a bike trick. So you can see here, so he's going to go through, and at first it's like, it's a mess, right? Like you have no idea what he's trying to accomplish. You have no idea, like he's just, he's losing control of his bike. He keeps landing on his bottom. He's, uh, it's just over and over again, he's he's messing up. Uh, Eventually his shirt comes off, because now he's starting to get serious about it. And uh, and he's like, you know, and, and over and over again, He's, oh, he almost landed at that time, and now you see the finished product, and it's crazy, right? I mean, that's the most amazing thing. I could never imagine doing something like that, and he probably couldn't either a year earlier, but, but through his perseverance, through his hard work, through his practice, his, his dedication turned into something amazing, uh, and I don't know this guy, I don't know anything about him, but I can tell you this, that's not the first time that he was ever on a bike, right? <laughs> when, he's, when he's trying out that trick, that's not the first time that he, had ridden, that he had ridden a bike, but he's learned to persevere. And through perseverance, he started to gain a reputation as somebody that can do bike tricks. You can tell because somebody was up there recording him the whole day. Um, and, uh, and because of that, his, his friends and all of us got to see the results of his perseverance. His time that he invested was redeemed, and it was turned into something beautiful. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of time invested 
and redeeming things. I've got another picture that I want to show you guys. Uh, these are these are our two uh, our two toddlers. They are um, they are eight months apart, and uh, so we have Owen on the right and Eli on the left. Owen is um, help me out again, Tiff. To, to, he's like 27 months, and Eli is 19 months. Is that right? Okay, close enough. Um, and, uh, and it's interesting because, because during this journey, we've gotten to see, like, like we look at Owen, and we see what Eli is going to look like eight months from now. And we look at Eli, and we're like, we're like, well, you know, eventually he's going to get there. It's weird because even up to a few weeks ago, uh, Owen was like, like he, has, he only has one speed. And it's, it's fast, it's sprint, it's, it's loud, it's, you know, it's crazy. And so he would take off, and he's doing laps around the house, and his favorite thing is he's got this, like, giant dump truck. It's like, like, if it was my size, it would be, like, this big. But, of course, he's only like this, so it's smaller. Um, but, and he'll, he'll push it around the house. He's running it into walls, running it into people. He does not care at all. Um, and so he's, he's running around, and then you see Eli, and up until a few weeks ago, he was still doing kind of that wide walk with his arms out, and, uh, and he would, you know, eventually he'd get his, his legs moving fast enough that he could kind of run, but it was still very unsteady, very unsure. And over the last few weeks now, he's gotten to the point where he's, he's kind of getting a little bit more sure of himself, he's, he's moving around a little bit better, but... Um, but but you get to you get to see this this like progression of them them learning and I, I see Owen master something and then you know eight months later here comes Eli and he's mastering the same things as well. I wanted to show you guys this picture though because Owen uh, over the last couple months has been really learning and working to to uh, eat with a spoon and you can see Eli on the left there and he's got nachos all over his face and something in his hair that, that we weren't able to identify. Um, but you can see how, how even their eating styles are, are different. You know, Owen is, is, yeah, he still makes messes, but, but he's pretty much mastered the spoon, and Eli's just smashing into everything into his face as, uh, as fast as he can. But, but the mess has turned around. When I look at, when I look at Owen, I say he was, he was where Eli is eight months ago, and now I can see that progression, and he's, he's getting better. So what does this mean for you? And what does this mean for me? It means God has forgiven your past, God is in control of your present, and God is shaping your future. Let me say that again. God has forgiven your past, God is in control of your present, and God is shaping your future. Over the last um, probably year or so, I mean, well, I mean, these guys have been in our home since they were, since they were born. But over about the, the last year, things have been like progressing in their cases and, and things would seem to be going well for a while and then we would hit this, this stalemate, this, this barrier, and all of a sudden everything stops and then it looks like things are, are going backwards. And, you know, there was like this, this weird, these weird swings uh, in, in tension and stuff like that. Tiffany and I are an adoptive foster home. Um, our, our goal has been to adopt these guys, but up until a couple months ago, we didn't think it was going to, I mean, there was, there was real questions, I should say, about whether it was going to be possible or not. So this last spring, um, man, I just, I just hit the point where I was like, I was like, I just need to, to go to God over this. And, uh, and I, I believe in passionate prayer. I believe in 
prayer that, that touches the heavens, I believe. I, I, I have a hard time sitting still while I'm praying. You guys might have noticed I have a hard time standing still anyway. But, um, but especially when I'm praying, I'll be, be marching around. I, I do tend to, to raise my voice a little bit when I'm praying. I, when I go to God, I want to, I, I, you know, I believe that God wants me to share what's going on in my heart. And then if, if what's going on in my heart is not of him, then he will correct me. And he will help me to, uh, to straighten those things out. And so, so for, for months, I was going to God. I was shouting. I was, I was crying out. I, was, you know, I felt like David in the Psalms, like, like just praying, God, please deliver me, deliver us. Um, my prayer was always, God, take care of these boys. Take care of them. Whatever, whatever is best for them, that's, that's what I want. If it's in our home, that's, that's what we want. If it's back with their biological parents, that's what we want. But God, please take care of these boys. Protect their hearts. Protect their lives. And, uh, and so I was constantly coming to God in prayer. And it wasn't just this situation. There were a few other things going on as well. But, um, but it got to the point where a lot of my prayer time was like, like me gearing up. And like, okay, I'm going to battle right now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in, I'm going to press in, and I'm going to believe God, I'm going to trust God, I'm gonna, you know, I, and, and you know, I'm quoting scriptures, and I'm praying, and I'm tearing down strongholds, and all of these different things, and I'm getting so amped up and excited, and it was probably sometime in June when I was, I was in one of these prayer times, and God just stopped me in my tracks, and God's like, like Jeff, I, I've heard you, and now I want you to rest, and now I want you to take it easy. And it was difficult because the situation didn't change. And nothing inside of me changed. But I was like, I was like, you know, I mean, obviously if God tells you to do something, like you're going to do it. And so, so I was like, okay, God, I'm going to come to you. And I'll tell you what, guys, something changed in me when I stopped striving, when I stopped, uh, when I stopped going to, to God. Now, I, again, I want to say, if you've got something going, in, going on in your life, God wants you to bring it to him. And God does not care if you're yelling or complaining or whining about it. God wants you to bring those things to him. When you bring those things to him, then he will work on your heart. He'll, he'll address what's going on inside of you. But, but I'll tell you what, guys. When, when I stopped and, and started approaching God, not for what he could give me, but just for who he is, like my whole outlook changed. And uh, even though the situation didn't change right away, I, like I said, it was June when this happened, and it wasn't until August and September when we got word that, that we were going to be able to adopt. And the adoption still hasn't gone through yet, but we're in that process now. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, it, I mean, it still took several months of me just being like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay myself down at your feet. And, uh, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay right here, and I'm going to trust you to fight these battles for me. It was in those moments that, that God really um, changed me, and God really began to work on my heart. And I think this is what Paul is saying when he talks about how perseverance builds character and character builds hope, is that, that God begins to work on us during those moments. And just like two toddlers or just like a guy doing a bike trip, the, the, more we, the more we struggle, the more we press through, then God is able to work in our hearts. In Philippians chapter 4, it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and petition, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And that's what I was doing this spring. 
Man, I, pr- prayer and petition, man, I, God, I'm coming to you. I'm believing. I, you know, I know that you've got a plan. I know that you're, you're doing this. And, uh, and I, just, I just kept coming to God, coming to God, coming to God. Um, but then it says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard our hearts. And, and that's what it felt like for me. Over these last, uh, you know, five, six months now, where, where I've been really focusing on this in my prayer times, God, I'm going to come to you, and I'm just going to rest. And eventually, we get into the intercession. Eventually, we get into praying for, for needs and stuff like that. But my, my priority in prayer is not to get my needs met. My priority in prayer is to come to God, to sit at his feet, and to be in his presence. Uh, it's changing me. And I believe it'll change you, too. And that peace of God can be a, a guard for you. Now, whenever I, I talk about this passage, I always feel obligated to share that, that Paul wrote these words to the church in Philippi. He wrote these words while he was sitting in a jail cell, unsure of whether he was going to live or die, unsure of what the next couple of weeks were going to hold for him. And yet he says in that moment, and then if you go on in, in Philippians chapter 4, he says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and all circumstances. And he's, what he's saying here is that peace of God is guarding my heart. I don't have to strive. I don't have to worry. I don't have to have fear. I don't have to, I don't have to come. Uh, I, don't, I don't have to be so anxious in everything. But instead, as I present my request to God, and that with thanksgiving really stands out to me in this moment, because uh, obviously we have thanksgiving coming up. But, but when we go to God with thanksgiving, prayer, and petition, it changes us. And then it changes our situation as well. Um, so I want to I read now out of, um, out of Romans chapter 5 again. And this is, this is the, the last few verses that we read. And then what I want us to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up these altars. We're going to have our prayer team come down. And we want to pray. And if you are struggling with something... If you've been listening to me and you're saying, man, I don't have peace and I need it. I need God to do something in me. We're going to have people down front that know how to pray. We're going to have people that, down front that know how to come to God on your behalf. And we're going to give you an opportunity to lift your requests up to God. But I want to finish out this passage really quick. It says this. It says, this is Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly, the ungodly being me and being you. Very rarely, it says, will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you're in here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, you've never allowed Christ to be the Lord of your life, or maybe you used to have a relationship with God, but it's been a while and there's some distance, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to come back to God. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to, to come back to your Father so that you can have that, that righteousness, that peace, that grace and that hope of eternity, and the hope that even our sufferings, even our, our, even our hard times can be redeemed. I want you to have that 
this morning. If I could have any, everybody in here, just go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes.